Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Exodus chapter 23, verses 1 through 9, which will be found on page 121 in our few Bibles. Exodus 23, verses 1 through 9. This may seem like a strange passage uh, as we get some of the laws of uh, Israel before they're in the uh, before they're in the promised land, before they're in the land of Israel. But these are the laws that God is giving His people on how they are to relate uh, to each other. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for providing what we need, and God, we thank you for your word that you have given us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to hear it this morning. God, we pray that you would help us not to take your word lightly, but but to really hear your word. Help us to hear your word as weightier than all the other words. Help us to hear your word as more relevant than all the other words. Help us to hear your word as more vital and more important than all the other words. Help us to hear your word as a revelation of who you are, what you have done and are doing. And help us to hear your word in a way that changes us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 23. Excuse me. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. And do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see... Pay attention. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help them with it. Do not deny justice to your your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge, and do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists the words of the innocent. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners, because you were foreigners in Egypt. Turning then to Luke 21, verses 5 through 19, we have uh, Jesus talking with his disciples just before the Last Supper. And as they have come to Jerusalem and the disciples are marveling at, uh, at the temple, and Diane and I were there three years ago in Jerusalem, and we could still see some of the enormous stones, and it is, I mean, it's something to behold today. There's no wonder they were marveling back then. But Jesus has a different take on it. Luke 21, starting in verse 5. 
Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so, you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, I know you're up close. I'm still coming down here. This morning, we are uh, continuing our series in the book of Acts. And we're at Acts 24, verses 22 to 27. Before we get there, uh, I have to make sure to remind anybody who's not aware of this being Veterans Day. And tomorrow, uh, observed that. Here's, here's what I mean, or here's why I bring this up. Um, if you have not already this month <laughs> taken the opportunity to thank a veteran or to especially also give thanks to God for the veterans in this country, don't miss this opportunity. Today and tomorrow will be a great time to do those things. And, um, and one of the reasons why, I don't know if any of you brought your constitution with you, um, but I, no, I've got, I've got mine. I don't know if you read this. This is good stuff in here. <laughs> I hope you have. Um, and there is good stuff in here and that's, uh, that's why I think it's a really good thing to thank veterans who have, um, fought and put themselves in harm's way to defend the freedoms that uh, this sets out to defend. And so one of the, a couple of things, if you, oh my goodness. So December 15th, in 1791, is when were ratified the first ten amendments known as the Bill of Rights. If you haven't read those in a while, just pull out your handy-dandy constitution and um, dust that off. Take a look. There are rights that are being um, secured here that um, a lot of countries do not um, make sure their citizens have. And uh, we're going to look in a little bit at Paul and what he was dealing with under the Roman government. He didn't have this kind of stuff. And so, for example, and we're going to talk just briefly about these. I am not preaching from the Constitution today. I'll preach from the Bible. But <laughs> I want to point this out. The, uh, that what we are doing right now 
we have every legal right in this country to do this, to gather together and to preach about Jesus. And we can do that freely and legally because of what's in the, uh, in the Constitution. Now, there are people who do this around the world in other countries who have every right under God to do that. It's just their governments don't recognize those rights. <laughs> and so they are oppressed and they are persecuted. And that's what Jesus was talking about. But here and now, we can do that. And so, again, give thanks to God uh, that we live here. Give thanks to God that we have a constitution like this. And give thanks to God for the veterans who have uh, fought and laid down their lives in order to secure these freedoms that we get to enjoy today. Here's another one. So I was in uh, the First Amendment, but you go on a few more. You get to the Fourth and Fifth, and you have things like... um, That no one should be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And then uh, in the fifth, that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. In this country, if you get accused of something, your accusers have to, you have to have the charges specified. And you can't just be held indefinitely. There's a period of time and you've got to have the, something's got to be done. You can't just be held indefinitely. And well, we'll see. Today, we're going to look at Paul, who didn't have that, who was living under a different government. And so we read his situation and we're like, that just sounds weird. But that is what the situation was. And they could do that legally under their system. And so again, this being Veterans Day weekend, uh, I would definitely, uh, yeah, I just want to take the opportunity to say, be thankful for where you are and thank a veteran as well and give thanks for them. Now, Acts 24. As I mentioned, Paul is in a different situation. He's under a different uh, government. And what has been happening is he's been accused falsely by people in Jerusalem of kind of being anti-Jerusalem, anti-Jewish, and being anti-temple. And he's saying, no, I'm not doing any of those things. But nobody's listening to him. Instead, they're just beating him up, and then they finally have, they want to kill him, and so they uh, have to sneak him with a huge guard of people out of Jerusalem and up to Caesarea on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea where... Um, the governor can hear the case. And so this is where we are. And uh, what we looked at last week is even though he's being accused falsely, he was glad to make his defense. Here it is, another opportunity where he gets to tell people about Jesus. And he's like, all right, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Even though his situation personally is not so great. So we looked last week at him making this defense and saying, this is not what's going on. What they're saying is not what's going on. Here's what is going on. And so now we get to hear how the case gets decided. What is the verdict? And so if you look at verses 22 through 27, here's how that goes. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias the commander comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul 
and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. So, due process? No. Speedy trial? No. (laughs) What we have for Paul instead is sitting there in basically this Roman prison for years on end, even though no one has yet decided his case. So I said, you know, we left off last week. Okay, the defense has been made. So now what is the decision? What is the verdict? Two years later, still no verdict. Two years later, still no verdict. And so what is Felix doing? (laughs) He has a legal right to do this, but what is going on with Felix personally that he would do this? And I think what's going on with Felix is what goes on with a lot of people today. Paul, as you know, if you've followed him, you've listened to his sermons, you've listened to his speeches, you read other letters that he's written, Paul pulls no punches. He's pretty direct. He's going to talk about Jesus, and he's going to do it clearly and directly. So I don't think that, uh, that Felix isn't sure what's going on with Paul. I think Paul is pretty clear about that. He knows this is what's going on. Felix hears this stuff. But he doesn't want to decide. Because if he decides, that has ramifications. As long as he pushes the decision off, as long as he continues to procrastinate making a decision, he kind of gets to have it both ways. I kind of get to listen to Paul whenever I want to. I kind of get to not listen to Paul whenever I don't want to. I kind of get to make uh, this group of people happy because, you know, I haven't condemned Paul. On the other hand, I get to kind of make this group of people happy because uh, he's still in prison, you know. And so not having decided one way or the other, he gets to play politics, try to keep everybody happy. And it seems that personally, he's at least interested in what Paul has to say. Interested. Curious. But certainly not committed to Jesus. This Jesus that Paul is preaching. Right? And so he comes and he listens and he talks with Paul. And Paul talks about Jesus and about faith in Jesus. And then did you hear verse 25? As Paul talked about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. That's enough for now. You may leave when I find it convenient. How many of us do church just this way, just like Felix? How many of us do Bible reading just this way? When I find it convenient, I'll come by. I'll hear what you have to say. I'll take a, you know, read for a bit. But if I hear something I don't like, if this is going to make me uncomfortable, if I'm going to squirm in my pew, that's enough for now. (laughs) I'm done. I'm out of here. When I find it convenient, I'll be back. But until then, no, I don't want to hear any of that. 
And yet that's part of the message. This is what Paul is preaching. He's preaching about Jesus, but Jesus is good news. But before it's good news, it's bad news because the good news is that Jesus is the king and that we are not. And that's good news to know that Jesus is the king, but it's only good news to people who understand that we should not be the king. But internally, all of us have sort of this idea that, no, I think I should be the king. (laughs) And to have somebody else say, no, you should not be the king. We hear that initially as bad news, and it's only when we accept that, that that is true, that we should not be the king. Only then can we accept the good news that Jesus is the king, and he's the one person who should be the king, and he is, and and isn't that great? And so Paul talks about faith in Christ Jesus. He talks about righteousness and about self-control and about the judgment to come. In other words, about what it means to have faith in Christ Jesus. What it is, I always talk about faith as following actively, I trust him. That's the five letters, F-A-I-T-H. Following actively, I trust him. Don't trust me. This is not a believe-in-yourself kind of message. I trust him. And he is the one who leads me in righteousness and in self-control. And he is the one who has already paid the price for the judgment to come. Understanding the message of Jesus, those things that Paul is talking about, it's all good news. It's all in the context of good news. But if we're still in a position of thinking, I ought to be the king, I can do this on my own. I don't need him. We can understand why Felix hears this as bad news. Why he hears it and says, that's enough. I don't want any more of that. Because it scares him. And he doesn't want to have to deal with what he's going to need to deal with. Perhaps you've been there before. Perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you are there now. If that is where you are, let me encourage you, don't be a Felix. Make a decision. He had enough information to make the decision. The reason he didn't make a decision is just a coward. He's trying to do both ways, and you can't do that. You can't be half in, half out. And so he needs to make a decision. So if you are in that position, don't be a Felix. Get the information you need, but don't keep putting the decision off until, well, more. I need more information, more information, more information. And years and years go by, and you're still sitting on the fence, as it were. In Revelation, we have the letter to the Laodiceans where it's, I mean, if you're either hot or cold, you know, if you're one way or the other, but come on, you're lukewarm and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Don't be a Felix. On the other hand, if you find yourself in the position of Paul, where you're dealing with a Felix, <laughs> where someone who is not treating you well, and yet you're still getting to tell them about Jesus, and they're not hearing it, and they're not making a decision. You see what Paul does? He keeps the door open. He keeps the conversation going on his end as much as Felix will allow it. He can't change Felix's heart. He can't make Felix's decision for him. But he can keep the door open 
and he can keep the conversation going. And as much as he can, he can try to help Felix to see it. That's good news. That's for Felix, too, just as much as it was for Paul. So if that's where you are, and you have somebody who is just not getting it, and they are not treating you fairly, and yet that door can still be open, do what you can to keep that door open. Do what you can to keep that conversation going. You can't change them. You can't make them see it. But I have some good news. Jesus didn't command you to change them. And he didn't command you to make them see it. But he does command us to testify, to bear witness, to tell people the good news. And that we can do if we're willing. One, um, one final point on all of this. You look at verses 26 and 27. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent him frequently and talked with him. And then when two years had passed, Felix was seated by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Here again, we see Felix, who still doesn't make the decision, kicks it off now to somebody else to make the decision. And the whole time this is going on is really just wanting to see if he can benefit financially from it. To him, it's all about politics and it's all about finance. If I can make my political factions happy, whatever. That's what I'll do. If I can gain financially from it, whatever. I'll have that too. But I hope you see that Paul's vision of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of Jesus, where Jesus is the king in this kingdom of God, that it's so much bigger than politics and finance. It's so much bigger. And that for Felix to only see it like that means he has such a small and reduced vision for his life. So again, in this short little passage, we have these two people who see the world so differently. And we see those same two people today, here and now. Don't be a Felix. Don't be a Felix. But as Jesus was able to change Paul, and he was able to extend the message to Felix as well, he can change any of us who have up to now been a Felix. He can change us into Paul's too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.